Hello there, beautiful people, and welcome back to the Contrast Project Lounge. I'm your host, Tracy Rigdon. I'm so glad you could join us again today. We have an awful lot to talk about, as usual, so why don't we just dive right in and see where this train takes us. Recently, my co-host at the Contrast Project, Mr. Shelton Hall, sat down and spoke with the president and founder of the Northside Coalition of Jacksonville, Mr. Ben Fraser. The Northside Coalition, it's a dynamic organization. It creates positive, lasting change in the North Florida area. Since 2016, uh, the Northside Coalition has worked hand-in-hand with elected officials, law enforcement, business professionals, the faith community, and people from all walks of life. Uh, it's, It's an outstanding group of people. They're very much into community activism and, uh, you know, Shelton sat down with uh, Ben uh, for a candid conversation, and I hope you'll enjoy it. Listen in. Uh, let's start out, uh, you know, it's been, gosh, three, four years? No, two, about two, two, maybe three years since there are collaborate wrote about you. And, uh, you know, this was before the, um, you know, 2020 was a, was a big year for you. And, oh, boy, tell me about it. And the movement in general. Um, to start out first by asking you, this is a new building. Last time we, uh, I interviewed you, you were at the uh, previous facility. Uh, how long have you been here, and what made you decide to move Northside Coalition, Northside Coalition of Jacksonville, into a historic Springfield? It's a well, lovely building. Well, we we um, found a need for a little bit more space, uh, and. I think that, uh, you know, ambiance has so much to do Absolutely. with uh, the, this, your, your quality of, of life and living. Uh, and as they said, the Jeffersons, we're moving on up. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's what we did. Uh, and so far as uh, functionality is concerned, um, and this, the need for uh, uh, just new digs and, and uh, a new perspective on uh, how we work uh, had so much to do with where we work. Mm-hmm. And so that's it. And such. Yeah, it's kind of like just it's a new feel. Yeah, and having you here is a good for the community as well. Well, we, we enjoy uh, Springfield, and we describe anything in the northwest quadrant as being our turf, yeah. so that anything uh, west of Main Street, uh, here starting from the urban core, uh, is our turf, yeah. moving from downtown uh, to the northwest quadrant. So, yeah, this is... a uh, this is our turf, and we intend on making our mark and making our brand from the urban core uh, west to 295. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, the Northside Coalition is perhaps new to Springfield. You are not. Tell me, a bit, as a veteran of uh, the city, talk to me about the changes that you've seen in Springfield as far as the demographic makeup, as far as just business and things. Well, we understand, uh, you know, what goes on here in Springfield is about gentrification 
uh, and it has all of its, uh, I think, uh, good parts and bad parts about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our focus is really not on Springfield, right. but on uh, zip codes like three two two oh eight and three two two oh nine. Or for that matter, any marginalized community, which would also include east of yeah. Main Street, which would be three two two oh six. We understand that many of these communities suffer from the same set of problems. Mm-hmm. Three two two oh six seventeen thousand people some 10 block census areas that the 50% of the people living there are living below federal poverty guidelines. Now, switch across Main Street and go west to 32208 and 9, it's the same sort of thing. Uh, so you're looking at from the urban core to Newtown to down Myrtle Avenue all the way over to Golf Fair, and if you go 32208 from Golf Fair all the way down to uh, Sutel and then uh, west to Pickettville and 295 or US 1. So in these areas, they, they suffer from the same sort of problems. That 32209 uh, has a tremendous crime issue. Uh, we have uh, 34,000 people. Uh-huh. Interestingly enough, it is uniquely and unapologetically black. Yeah. Only 600 white folks living in 32209. I mean, it's almost like Soweto. Less than 1%. <laughs> I'm talking less than 1%. It is blacker than black. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh, when we talk about uh, disparities, uh, it is in so many ways, like the Bantu stands in Southwest and South Africa. Um, poverty, unemployment, gun violence, crime. These are areas where there are horrendous disparities in housing, health, and education that we must begin to put under a microscope, uh, that we must sit down and do some critical thinking in terms of evaluation, review, to see what we can do to improve the situation. We always say that we want to work to serve the people and to improve this specific geographic area, community by community, neighborhood by neighborhood, house by house, person by person. Uh, We're looking at the demographics and so much of what we see in terms of economic disparities is horrific. Um, You know, we look at the large number of people who are unemployed, living in poverty, 
areas that uh, certainly, uh, I would say, the areas are highlighted with economic decay, economic degradation, uh, single parents, uh, people living just enough for the city. In the words of Stevie Wonder, living just enough for the city. We need to do much more. This organization has pushed for, spoken before the city council on numerous occasions. And our message is always the same, that there is in fact a direct connection, an inextricable link, if you will, between poverty, unemployment, economic decay, gun violence, and crime. So city fathers keep applying the same uh, ideas. They, are, they don't work. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, they're, they're, it's the same old tired, worn uh, remedies that are not good solutions. And they're not effective. Yeah. Uh, they see more police officers than either. Well, they get more police officers, but yeah. but the crime still keeps going on. They exactly. say they need to more money yeah. uh, for uh, technology, yeah. and they get shot spotters, and they buy tasers yeah. and taser holsters yeah. uh, and body cams. Yeah. But but good. the crime yeah. keeps on going. You can have as many cops as you want, but it doesn't matter if people don't want to talk to the cops. Precisely, so that. What you have is a situation where nothing is working. Uh, the, the best and the brightest have come up with all their ideas, and that it's still not working. We recognize that these solutions being offered aren't really effective solutions. They're not even creative solutions. It's time for new ideas, new and brighter ideas. Uh, and we shouldn't be afraid to try them. That the solutions that they are uh, coming up with uh, are band-aids. They're nothing more than band-aids being applied to an open, festering, and hemorrhaging wound doesn't work and at some point somebody needs to say epic fail uh -huh. we recognize it didn't work yeah. maybe we need to try some new ideas I say that there needs to be uh, an economic solution yes. to some of these problems Absolutely. that the people need jobs we need to talk about returning citizens, people who have criminal records. We need to figure out how to get to those people hired on. We need to be about giving them a second or third chance. 
rather than sit back and look at the recidivism rate skyrocket and do nothing about it. Uh, we need uh, a massive Marshall Plan of revitalization and redevelopment in this area. And we need to talk about a renaissance of revitalization and redevelopment. In 32209, I suggest to you that we are only limited by our own attitudes and our own imagination. I say it's time for arts venues in 32209. I say it's time to rebrand it. There needs to be music venues in 32209. There needs to be doctors and lawyers and dentist officers cropping up in 32209. Uh, there need to be theatrical production houses, black theater in 32209. There need to be movie theaters in 32209. There needs to be supermarkets in 32209. There needs to be uh, all kinds of multi-use real estate uh, uh, occurrences uh, taking place. What about condos in 32209? We can provide incentives for a billionaire, yeah. but you can't provide incentives for young black entrepreneurs. That's ridiculous. Why aren't you providing incentives for black businesses? You just provided $21 million in incentives for Dun & Bradstreet, but you can't give the man who sells collard greens, 45th, and Moncrief, $100,000 to open up a bigger business? Why not? We're only limited by our own attitudes and our own imaginations. I say that as it relates to these areas, 32206 on the east side, 32208, 32209. It's time for us to dream big dreams. You know, uh, there's a, you know, we all know that crime, you know, kind of comes in to fill in the gaps where there's a, where there's a lack of jobs, a lack of economic development, a lack of business growth. I think uh, mainstream audiences don't appreciate the extent to which, A, crime is a business, you know, some of these neighborhoods we talk about as a 3 2 2 9 guy, you'll have whole neighborhoods where people might be actually making money, but they're making it under the table. It's not taxable income, you know, so it's not on the, on the books. They may be making more under the table than they're making over the table. And a lot of this crime, you know, particularly the gun violence, it's sad, it's unfortunate what happened, but then at the same time, you know, some businesses can't have a shareholders meeting, you know. Some businesses don't do a class action lawsuit. They don't just kick an executive out for malfeasance. They pursue other means, and that's where... A lot, of, you know, a lot of this, the gun crime is, you know, not saying anyone deserves it, but you know, you play a dangerous game, and it it sometimes doesn't work out in your right. favor. Now, as far, as far as 
you know, what you're saying, Tiefing, is the need for government to reach out and embrace uh, black entrepreneurs and embrace, like, you know, returning uh, citizens and things like that. You look at something like the city government of Jackson, which is kind of fairly unique as city governments go. And of course, you know more about that than I do. The consolidated system, right. the strong mayor system, to what it, you know, we know that we have a city here where the mayor has vastly more power to directly implement policy than in many other cities. But in your opinion, particularly as it relates to the North Side, these zip codes we're talking about, what is the role of, of a city council, say, in these districts? Yeah. Well, I think that essentially what you have is a community problem. Yeah. And community problems demand community solutions. Yes. So much of what we're dealing with has to do uh, with race. Yeah. Um, and it is unfortunate that we've had an old boys network yeah. in this city for so long. Yeah. Old style, yeah. white city fathers, white power structure, white establishment that has been at the helm for far too long. The problem goes even deeper than that. Mm -hmm. It's not just about race. It's all about a lack of positive and creative leadership, which has nothing at all to do with race. Yeah. What I'm suggesting is that while so much of it has to do with exclusivity, a lack of diversity, a lack of inclusion, but it also has to do with a lack of effective and creative leadership. You don't continue to do the same thing over and over again, because as we all know, you'll continue to get the same results. I'm suggesting that there needs to be a partnership between uh, the white power brokers, mm -hmm. the big ballers and the shot callers, uh, the captains of industry and black entrepreneurs, young and old. There needs to be a close relationship between uh, the public sector granting uh, monies and contracts to uh, black contractors. Yeah. We want our piece of the economic pie. And things are not going to be better here for anybody yeah. if we don't give everybody a fair shot. What we're talking about is injustice yeah. over here. Mm -hmm. And injustice anywhere injustice is a threat to justice mm -hmm. everywhere. Yeah, we look at what amounts to 295 and Blanding and I stand there in one block just as if I am the Beverly Hillbillies looking up at Times Square and the skyscrapers compared to what I see at Sutel and Moncrief. I see in one square block more businesses 
at that intersection yeah. in South Jacksonville than I see throughout the entire sure. northwest quadrant. And that's a common problem with the city, you know, and it's certainly more profound in the black community than the white community, but all over you'll frequently see that businesses are more apt to move in and set up in some strip mall like out on the outskirts off the interstate than they are to invest in a historic neighborhood. You know? Precisely. And so much of it has to do with crime. So much of it has to do with fear. Uh, I think that we need to address our racial issues and racial matters in a much more candid, honest, and straightforward fashion that we need to stop uh, acting as if it doesn't exist. Yeah. We have issues that are clearly centered on race and class in this city, and we need to just be honest in addressing them in the words of James Baldwin. Everything can be changed, but nothing can be changed if it's not faced. That's true. So it's time for us to face some of our problems and begin to deal with them. And I think that we can resolve them. I, I just happen to have that kind of faith. Uh, call it naivete if you'd like. But I have faith and not fear sure. that we can, in fact, turn this around. Yeah. I sincerely believe that uh, we can become a city that is too busy to hate. I, I really believe it. I, I think if we can become a thriving commercial crossroads, a million people, but we got to give some folks a chance yeah. that we've been knocking out the box and putting at the bottom of the totem pole and not giving them a chance. It's time for us to turn it around. Sure. We need to talk about our young people, yeah. regardless of the color of their skin and their involvement. We got too many people who are matriculating here and going to live elsewhere. We've got the mayor putting up billboards talking about move to Jacksonville when he doesn't need he needs to be more concerned about the people who already live here and leaving. Uh, we need to address the issue uh, of, of making this a comfortable place and also determining who we are as a city. Yeah. Jacksonville has always had an issue of determining who are we? You know, right when we kind of got our grounding in, we, we, we were about the landing. The landing was a large part of our personality That's right. as a city. Mm -hmm. And what happens? Click the damn thing and knock it down. Yep. Okay. So I'm suggesting that we must begin to rebrand the entire city. We need to say, who we are. Yeah. And we need to make clear that we are no longer a racist, sleepy, southern town with a river running through its center mm -hmm. 
live oak trees with Spanish moss and people walking around hating each other because of the color of their skin. We need to make clear that that's the old Jacksonville and we're not about that anymore. There should be someone who stands up and makes that statement to say Jacksonville is a city where black folks and white folks are working to get along with each other mm -hmm. and to be fair and to treat each other the right way, just like we want to be treated. The word says treat your neighbor like you yourself want to be treated. That's the way we need to start treating each other in a very real way. This old civil war, I don't want to curse, This old Civil War stuff, yes. we need to let that go. Mm -hmm. Okay? Well, you know, when it comes to that subject right there, next topic that I kind of want to get into is, you know, we have, we've gone much further in the past year to getting away from all that than maybe ever before. And, of course, you played a major role uh, in that. You know, in my, you know, personally, in my opinion, I'll tell you, when, they, when we had the protests last year, you know, I supported the cause. Uh, I spoke publicly for the cause. I liaisoned with, with people and whatnot. I generally didn't show my face out there because me and my, my generation, I got so sick of activist groups being together for a few months or a couple of years and then falling apart. Like, or you, you know, coalitions falling apart because two people broke up or this or that happening. So my thing has always been to just be the guy that talks to everybody, and then I stand back and I sort of issue my uh, my findings based on my my research. But I think that uh, you know, we had the social protests uh, all over the country after George Floyd's murder, and and there's there's progress in basics. There's symbolic progress. You had a couple of things torn down. There's some that here and there. But you look at what happened in Jacksonville. Confederate, stat Confederate monuments coming down, Confederate statue, Henry Park coming down, renaming Henry Park to James William Johnson Park. You know, pretty much all the Confederate schools having their names changed. Right. All that happening in a year, you know, my my theory is that none of that happens without you there, you know, playing your role. Like there's there are lots of activist groups, there are lots lots of people who all of whom we know. You know, you see that that cover there and. Uh, you know, all good people all doing things, but I think that you as a centerpiece of it, like from an organizational sense, you had or organizers, but you know, your gener you and your generation, you know, and I'd say the same for Donald like Rodney Hurst and whatnot, uh, stepping in to exert a leadership influence on this uh, younger generation of activists, allowed them to really take their numbers and maximize it. Like I always say, you know, Jacksonville is a majority Democratic city. There's always been a majority Democrat in terms of party affiliation, but the Republicans are better at paperwork. The Republicans <laughs> are better at getting out They're early. better at fundraising. Yeah. I mean, you're one of the few Democrats I know that uh, is actually up before sunrise most mm. days, you know. Uh, but so what we saw last year with, with, with those actions is a good example of how to move forward and take the, the numerical advantage, you know, 
like, you know, may not have the financial advantage politically, but right. you have the numerical advantage, you've got the youth, you know, you've got the culture, you've got the art, you've got the music, you've got the sports, you know? Right. You know, you don't own the team, but you got all the players. As we saw last year, I mean, I was writing about Curry uh, earlier, this little, I had this had theory about Lenny Curry accidentally becoming one of the more progressive mayors in the country. You know, not that he deliberately did all that, but he, over the past year or so, I'll give him credit as far as I think he's gotten good at saying, okay, this is the direction that people are moving in. We're just going to let him do it, you know, not not do like DeSantis does and just throw up stuff, you know. Right. Um, and that includes things like the HRO, things like, you know. I mean, I thought it was a bad idea to tear down the land. You know, I would have put the Florida History Museum there. I mean, the Music History Museum. Right. The Jacksonville Historical Society is working on but you know, he tore down, he tore down Atlantic. What was the first thing that they did on that site? The BLM 5K with Tanisha Chris. Right. We did two of those. We were at the uh, jazz festival there. We're having a skateboard festival there. Like, you know, we we're spending all this money. We spent all this money to buy the land and tear it down. You know, by the time he's gone, he'll be able to say that he's turned a bit of a profit on it. And as you, as it is, you look at particularly in 2021, you know. They've made more money from that site being a vacant lot than the landing itself was making. Right. You know, and that's yeah, you know, that's because of Slayman. You know, Slayman and the city, particularly John Payton, were always at odds. Like it was like a like a bitter custody dispute. Right. Right. You know? right. And right, both right. parents are neglecting the child mm -hmm. so they can blame the bad. So they can blame the other one. You know. Well, there there is a a need, uh, if you will. For city leaders to be a little bit more cognizant of black folks in the city, okay. it is nothing less than revolting to hear about major plans, downtown plans, and to see that there is absolutely no involvement on the part of black people yeah. in any other plans. What is it that we, we have to do to get them to understand they ought at least... I'll pause this. Uh, one, an example of like the, this next generation leadership I think is really potent. I love what Angie Nixon's been doing as far as it being like hands-on as a, as a right. staff rep. You know, I'd like to see the elected official, like for example, if I were mayor, Jacksonville. Mm. First thing I do is say is get the city council together. First thing I do is I get the city council together, and I would say to the city council. Pause it again. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's just an example of like I really like the way she was just driving around, like uh, her her neighborhood, checking out constituents, doing a Facebook live stream while she's driving along, checking out to see where flooding and stuff is. If I and I was saying if I was mayor of Jacksonville. First thing I do, first council meeting afterwards, not even first council meeting, if I were mayor, my first step would be that first week, if not that first day in office, mm -hmm. I would sit down individually with each city council member, establish like one-on-one -on -one working relationships with, uh, with the council right. as individuals. Uh, and then I would say to each of them, I want you in your, in your individual council district, 
I want you to conduct yourself as if you are the mayor of that district. Okay. Yeah. The same way, the same way a governor would talk to mayors, right. or the way a president would talk to governors. That's how mayors should talk to their city council. Like you know, we we have this strong mayor system, but I'm you know, me being a, a old fan of old school journalists and stuff. You know, I was always very fond of like the old ward boss system, you know, the aldermen yeah. of Chicago and the, uh, right. you know, city commissioners in New York and stuff, and I, you know, right. because cities of that size and that much economic activity need really aggressive, active uh, representatives. Well, again, what we're talking about, beyond any amount of uh, mechanics, yeah. uh, is a relationship with uh -huh. the people. Yeah. Uh, and again, there's some things that go far beyond the issue of race. Yeah. Uh, what we're talking about is representation of the people yeah. and being able to uh, understand the barometric pressure and the temperature of what's going on in a particular area is necessary for you to get a feel for it. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes I think that politicians uh, regardless of what package they come in, yeah. are too aloof. Yeah, they're too aloof to, and, to, and to, afraid. To, and, and, and afraid. Uh, they don't know what it's like to start off at uh, King's Road in Merton and walk down the street the last and, and to say hello. We haven't had a guy, we haven't <laughs> had a politician in this town that really understood how to do the job since Jake. Jake, Gobble, Jake. Right. So then we don't we don't have people in position. And if of, Jake had uh, lived, he'd have been right out there marching right, you guys. But, but, but we don't have people in position, yeah. positions of power, who can start at uh, King's Road yeah. and Myrtle Avenue, go down the street and say, what's going on? Yeah. Uh, the man selling wings mm -hmm. on the left-hand side, yeah. or Happy Jack's supermarket on the right-hand side, mm -hmm. or sit and talk to the people at yeah. Durkerville Ballpark, right. go down to 8th Street, or go down to Cozy Corner, Cozy uh, Corner. go down to Dallas Graham Branch's Public Library, mm -hmm. or go down and talk to the man uh, selling food at the food truck at 20th Street, or go down. Yeah. Uh, talk to the people buying curly cues at Hollis. Uh -huh. they, they they don't they don't understand the dynamics yeah. of these neighborhoods. That's right. And we need to get people who are Natural. not afraid to go out into these neighborhoods yeah. and to talk to the people that they represent. Yeah, it reminds me there's an old. Uh, Baseball manager named Leo DeRocher. You know, he used to say, "Hit him where they ain't." They said, "What does that mean?" He'd say, "All right, see that guy standing out there in the outfield mm -hmm. with that glove in his hand? Don't hit the ball where he's standing. Hit mm -hmm. it somewhere where no one's standing. Right. You find the opportunity. You find the open. It's just like football. You find mm -hmm. that hole. You find that gap where you can insert right. yourself to make a difference. For right. example, you mentioned the Dirty Bill Ballpark, which I grew up, you know, going over there. Grew up right over by there." Springfield, the SPAR, Springfield Preservation and Restoration mm -hmm. Group, they usually, every 4th of July, they do their uh, um, 
sort of a fundraiser for SPAR, a charity baseball game, East versus West. They have like, you know, uh, throwback style jerseys made. It's all it's mostly white people because that's what what animates right. most of the homeowners association groups. Of course, this year because of uh, the weather and the rain and stuff, they usually have it at Clutho Park. Clutho Park uh, was not suitable for playing. Baseball. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was too <laughs> too, too wet. small. <laughs> so they went to Hank Aaron Field, right? Right. Which is which is great, great you know opportunity for the park, great opportunity for them, but it was to a large extent a, a missed opportunity because what do they do? They all drive, they drive in there, they show up, they play, and it was fine, they show up, they play the baseball game, then they get up and, and go. You're right in the middle of the day. Right. It's like noon, <laughs> one o'clock, two o'clock, on the 4th right. of July, you know, why not take the opportunity to walk walk around? Why not walk four blocks down the street well, to families of slain children is, in Portland? Is this, we have taken what we refer to as our historic boots on the ground yeah. movement, which we've conducted two years, uh-huh. touched more than 5,000 households, yeah. delivering a message of stop the violence and increase the peace, uh-huh. and talking to people yeah. in the neighborhood saying, treat your neighbors like you want to be treated. Yeah. Hey, consider this. Talk it out. Don't shoot it out. Let's resolve conflicts on a peaceful basis. Yeah. Uh, and you got anything on your mind, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. That's what we've done yeah. in terms of community assessment so that part and parcel to our overarching plan in terms of how we operate, three words. Mm-hmm. Agitate, educate, organize. Yep. That's what we do so that we have listened to people who are critics of our organization. We don't even respond. All we do is we stay true Uh to our message. We stay true to our mission. Uh And our message and our mission is simple. And that is to stand up, to speak out against any and all forms of social, Uh racial, and economic injustice. Now, as much as you can fit in between those, sure. that's our, that's what our mission is. And, and, and we stay true to that. Mm-hmm. We don't respond to Facebook fights, no. uh, people trolling us with sure. uh, racist messages and, and, and calling Ben Fraser ugly names. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're bigger than that. Yeah. Okay, we're going to stay true to our message, true to our mission. Talk about us if you wish. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you'll find out why we keep moving and while other organizations mm-hmm. come into existence and then disappear. Yeah. Uh, we are going to stay true to our message and our mission and no to, matter what. And I, try to, I try to take the high road a lot of times. You know, when I ran for council back in the day, uh, you know, there are always rumors. And of course, there's more rumors now. There's way <laughs> too much dirt and gossip to right. consider running again now, too. Too many girls, too, too many all-nighters, too many parties. But, you know, a lot of times, you know, people will seek out to engage me. They'll call me names. My, my thing is always number one. If you think I'm factually correct, let me know. If you have information that I don't have that will enhance my understanding, you know, let me know. Because I'm, you know, I'm invested in being right. I don't burn sources. I'll take a piece of off-the-record information, sit on it for five years, sit on it for ten years if need be. 
wait until I hear someone just say something at random in a public saying, I'm like, okay, now I can use that. Right. I'll say to people, okay, I see you're mad, I see you're mad at me, blah, 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 but I'm not the reason you're mad, you know? You're, you know, you're not mad at me because of what I wrote, you're mad at me because your girlfriend's not talking to you. That's right. not my fault. Uh, that's right. That's you know? two different things. Like Positive for one second. Like I always uh, a lot of entrepreneurs, especially young entrepreneurs, especially young entrepreneurs of color, you know, they don't, you know, they, they don't know where to go for a small business, SBA loan. They don't know where to go for a pandemic loan. They don't know anyone who knows how to how to write grants for them. Okay. So they have, they may have an idea. You know, it's like, it's not just cultural and like economic isolation, but it's a sense of physical isolation. If you're making, if you're making the choice, the righteous choice to build in your neighborhood, you know, to build in your community, mm-hmm. like, you know, the fur, I mean, really, the further away from City Hall you might be geographically, you know, the further you are from those resources. In right. That sense, you know? Right, 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 right. I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, you ask people, well, who's your city councilman? Who's your state rep? You know, some people don't know just because they don't know. A lot of people don't know because they don't think there's a reason to know. Right, you right. Know? But there's, there's a lot of different dynamics uh, at work. Yeah. I was talking to somebody today about uh, the Northwest Quadrant and the number of people uh, who obviously are foreign nationals yeah. uh, who are opening up various businesses in the African-American community. Mm-hmm. Liquor stores, before that they had gambling locations. Uh, people who own nail shops and hair supply places. And it's not as if nobody wants them to do business. That's not it. But at what point do we begin to support the people who have been excluded yeah. from this process for so long? Mm-hmm. We, we can't. We have to include as many people as we can. Absolutely. So that as an organization, we've tried not to be an organization that simply points out what the problems are. Because quite frankly speaking, there is no rocket science in able to being able to say what the problem is. Yeah. The, the genius yeah. involved in this process is being solution oriented. Right. And so what we've attempted to do was to come up with answers and to say to each other as people, as neighbors, as organizations, um, as different entities that comprise Jacksonville, let's be involved in effective communication because we think effective communication is absolutely essential. I always say, you know, that I always have a saying, there are a lot of bullets in Jacksonville, but none of them are magic bullets. Right. You know, it's mm-hmm. like the the solutions we have are 
are not necessarily easy, but they're a lot easier than people think. A lot of it's psychological. A lot yeah. of it's just making people feel that they're empowered. You know, a lot of it's just giving somebody a phone number to call if they need something, and then they might never call that phone number because they know they got somebody that they can fall back on, so they'll feel more empowered to live right. their dreams. Yeah, I think that we need yeah. to care yeah. about people. Yeah. Um, maybe some people think it's passe, or maybe some people think it's cliche. But I sincerely believe that what the world needs now is love. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it needs to start it. first in your house mm -hmm. and spread out from right there right. to the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. We need to care more about each other, do more for each other, yes. stop pointing fingers at each other, yeah. and start working together with each other. The most powerful people, in my opinion, the most powerful people in our society are the people that don't think they have any power at all. You know? We think we think the power is with the celebrities. We think, you know, like I mean, Brad Pitt's a multi multimillionaire, but he makes that he makes that money from us ten bucks at a time off every movie ticket. Right. You know? The the politicians, you know, I mean and you see this with guys like Huey Long or Franklin Roosevelt or even like a guy like Reagan, left wing or right wing, they have a way of like making the making the man on the street feel like they're invested, personally invested right. in that person. Like when Obama got elected, you know, we all acted like we knew him. Right. Like he like we grew up with him because we could, you know, sort of see that story. Well, you know? I think that in terms of uh, people who represent us, mm -hmm. uh, we feel closest to those people who feel, we feel like care about us. Yeah. And, and that's really what it, this is all about. Mm -hmm. uh, people should not be so aloof and to recognize uh, that we are the people. Yeah. And that's why the George Floyd protest last year I think we're so effective, particularly here and around around the country, because normally when you're trying to get an action going, trying to get people together on something, personal disputes will come up, economic disputes will come up, you know, pre-existing beefs will come up. Right. And with something like that, you know, everyone had like a laser focus on on the goal, and it wasn't like everyone was going out with like a specific agenda in mind. It was more about Oh, this is terrible. What happened to that guy was not fair. Right. Like, we all know bad things happen. Right. We all know a lot of people get right. don't deserve but it. But we were united. Yeah. That was some that was a situation where, you know, even a lot of cops were like, No, that's wrong. But we were united, yeah. everybody was laser. His focused. department the department in Minneapolis did a great threw yeah. all those people under the bus. Right. And so we came out there, we're focused that's on him. Right. And then, we're, yeah. and then we're all standing around talking, protesting about George Floyd, and we're looking around, it's like, hey, what about that statue? Right. You know, what about the name on that park? You know? Right. Let me, let's trade numbers. Let's friend each other on Facebook so we can work on this, work on these other things later on, you know? Right. There was that uh, 
And it was so, it was, it was just that sense of commonality. It was shocking how easy it was. Like say with changing the names of the school, it was those schools. It was shocking how quickly and how easily that happened once the focus was there to actually do it. Right. You so, know, but Curry well, didn't step up to save him. Right, well, we started that stall four years ago, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm mindful of how we had uh, in 2017 a rally yeah. directly across the street from City Hall, and not one politician walked across the street to pay attention Mm -hmm. to what we were saying. Not one. Which is crazy. Not one. It's counterintuitive. Normally normally you expect a politician to always go where the crowd is. You would think, there's a crowd of people over here, let's go over there and see what, at least see what they're doing. I'm glad to see you, we don't agree, but you know. Who cares? They didn't even walk across the street. Yeah. Uh, we we marched from Jacksonville to St. Augustine, 42 miles. Mm-hmm. Uh, me on my mobility scooter mm-hmm. uh, to call for the removal of Confederate monuments from public property. Yeah. Uh, it took all of that. Yeah. But but <laughs> it really took the, this culmination mm-hmm. in. All of these events, yeah. from Michael Brown and Ferguson sure. to Eric Garner, mm-hmm. I can't breathe. Uh, Mike Brown, hands in the yeah. air. Uh, Philando Castile, Rihanna Taylor took. Yeah. George Floyd with the knee on his neck for ten minutes. Yeah. It took all of that mm-hmm. to bring down monuments and change names. Uh, to get people to understand that our fight was not against uh, Southern heritage, yeah. but against Confederate heritage, yeah. to get people to recognize that it was time mm-hmm. for us to finally make a commitment to stop fighting the Civil War and to march into the sunlight yeah. of a brand new day. Mm-hmm. It took all of that. So now, with all all this stuff that's happening now, with the pandemic, you know, theory easing up a little bit, what what's the next step for uh, for you and for the Northside Coalition? We are moving uh, in several different areas. Uh, chief among them is going to be our boots on the ground, stop the violence, increase the peace campaign, as well as voter registration. Uh, it is the historic uh, centerpiece of the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. It is what started in Selma uh, and won't end anytime soon. There are a number of voter suppression tactics being applied. Mm-hmm. So no longer are they telling you you have to guess the number of gumballs mm-hmm. in the jar. But now they are uh, putting together certain uh, measures designed to suppress your vote mm-hmm. that are much more sophisticated than the jar of jelly beans. And that's already starting to backfire on the people who are, who are pushing those types of positions, like Kemp in Georgia, right. DeSantis in Florida. That's you know, right. Number one, you know, 
Now, you know, you look at Florida and Georgia 2022, these governor's races, national Democrats are already coming for them anyway. Right. Because they almost took Florida and Georgia at the same time in 2018. That's right. Now they're getting closer. What what got DeSantis wanting to, you know, do this? Because he didn't have to deal with, like, felons having, you know, their voting rights restored back when he was running. Right. Because that passed on the same... Uh, ballot that he won, that he narrowly won the governorship on. So you know, right? Narrowly won. So yeah, there it's it's unfortunate they're doing these things, but from a from a propaganda standpoint, you get to say, well, yeah, of course they're doing that. They know the power of our vote. You know? Right. They know the power of our vote. They so, also so you recognize can tell people, people, the people, and I'll say this for Trump. You know, mm. only nice thing. Yeah. Only nice thing I could say in this regard about Trump is. Thanks to Trump, like all the people I knew that were saying, "Oh, there's no point in voting," oh, they're all just the same. You don't hear that anymore, you know. Right. Now people are yeah. running over each other to get, you know. Yeah, that's right. They're showing, you know, flashing their "I voted" sticker. They're proud of it now because they know that the power is there. Right. So know? we have, in terms of our direction, uh, we're going to continue to push with our boots on the ground, stop the violence, increase the peace campaign. We're going to continue to push for voter registration in a very meaningful, substantive, and significant way. Uh-huh. Uh, we're also going to continue our federal lawsuit against three sheriffs here in the state of Florida, as well as the attorney general and the governor. Our lawsuit is moving forward with regards to HB1. We're one of uh, six plaintiffs. Uh, and we're going to continue our push for trust, transparency, and accountability on the part of law enforcement. We think that in Jacksonville and in cities across this country, that police departments are guilty of excessive use of force. Mm-hmm. They then turn around after shooting our people mm-hmm. and then investigate themselves. Yep. We believe internal investigations are always questionable and sure. controversial, and that people and they should have the right to do that, be, but it should, but they, they should be conducted on the federal level. Uh, we are calling on the Civil Rights Division of the U.S. Justice Department uh-huh. to investigate the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office. Sure. We think that they are guilty of systemic racism and policies, practices, and procedures that are tinged and stained with racism. Uh, We think that there has been too much money placed in the hands of a department which has problems solving crimes and spends too little money with regards to prevention and intervention too little money with regards to mental health. Uh, we think that there needs to be a special effort on the part of law enforcement to begin to better train its officers with regards to de-escalation. We think there needs to be much more diversity within the department. 1,500 sworn police officers yeah. in Jacksonville, but only 300 blacks. So we know we who's policing head. us. We have a black sheriff's candidate, which of course we've had. But we think that's great, but yeah. she still has 
even if sure. she's elected tomorrow, mm -hmm. she still has 1,500 sworn police officers yeah. and only uh, about uh, 300 of them mm -hmm. who are black. Yeah. That we are no longer accepting the excuses that we don't have any qualified people to hire. You need to put a hold on hiring anybody else until you figure out, Sheriff, how to hire more black people. This is ridiculous that we have a population that is 30 to 31% black mm -hmm. and we have less than 15% of the people on the police force. We have people coming from the beaches, Baldwin and Mandarin, yep. to come arrest us and stop us for walking while black, talking while black, breathing while black, driving while black. This is Being absurd. Black, black. It's absurd. Yep. Literally absurd. Uh, we've got to make some powerful and positive and productive changes to make things better here in Jacksonville. I believe that we can do it. We just need to be honest and straightforward and face the need to make these changes. That's all for today's episode of the Contrast Project Lounge. Thanks for listening. Join us again next week when we talk about some of the best of the best in arts and culture, news, and just about anything else that matters most to you. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a single episode. Remember, the Lounge airs every Tuesday evening, and our YouTube channel airs on Thursdays. For more information or resources about this or any of our episodes, please visit thecontrastproject.tv or any of our social channels. If you love our show, be sure to like, share, and comment. And don't forget to smash the subscribe button on our YouTube channel. We personally read each and every comment or review. Once again, we'd like to thank our sponsors, our friends, fans, and followers for supporting this in every episode. Just remember, kids, in these uncertain, stressful times, make sure you take care of yourself and each other. Until next time, peace.